0: Well, good afternoon, everyone, those online, those that are here, so grateful for our time of worship. Shout out to the worship team, the band, the tech crew, uh, Pastor Daniel and Sadie, the whole pastoral squad, elders, like, this church is blessed. Like, look at these screens, man. I'm even remembering the screens, yo, great. Shout out to the upgrade, you know what I'm saying? God is good. He is with us. He's providing. And he has a word for us today. You know, God is a God of relationship, and there's many ways that we start out relationships. You know, as a hiring manager for an organization, one of those ways that I I start relationships is through something called a resume. How many of you have ever put together a resume? Raise your hand. Yes, a resume. Some resumes are great. Some aren't so great but you know everyone's trying to get their foot in the door they're trying to introduce themselves to you for an opportunity I have a couple of resumes I want to read to us today now these are somewhat a little bit outrageous so just 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 walk with me on this one the first resume okay usually a resume has the title the name of the person on top and then an objective listen to this objective Objective, to begin my postgraduate career in an insignificant entry-level position that will provide me with income and a sense of self-worth. Education, small college, you haven't heard of. From a town, you probably haven't heard of. Major, blah, 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 liberal arts interdisciplinary. GPA. Same as everyone else's, irrelevant to the job. Okay, now the skills section. Communication. I communicate. Yes. You want to know how many ways I can communicate? All the ways. That's right. Need me to say stuff? I can do that. Want me to type some stuff now? Talk on the phone? Whatever. Call me right now and guess what? I'll answer so politely it will amaze you. Clerical skills. I'm a child of the information age, so it's really silly to have me list this stuff. I've been using MS Word since I was like seven. Pull out your laptop right now. Let's have a PowerPoint contest. Do you know how many A-plus presentations I've made in 10 minutes? Don't have 10 minutes? Give me five, boom, B-minus. That's kind of exaggerated, but as someone shooting their shot. Here's another more creative resume. This person starts out from the gate, just low bar. He says this. So here's the deal. This is his objective. So here's the deal. I cannot compete with college degrees and fancy credentials, on paper at least. I've decided to highlight the best of what I have to offer. I'm intelligent, I'm hardworking, I'm personable, and I have a good work ethic. And then later on in his achievements, he has one titled Marijuana Dealer and Nefarious Dude. And this is what he has to say about that work experience. Intuitive understanding of supply and demand economics. Good with money ran my own delivery service, (laughs) had a consistent clientele with high customer satisfaction, (laughs) gained intimate access to several very exclusive county jails, and finally, learned a valuable life lesson. Now, these are funny. These are jokes. I'm not condoning uh, marijuana selling. Don't put that on your resume. But these are are ways that we get to know people, people looking for opportunity. The Lord has put on my heart today that he wants something. He's looking for an opportunity with each of us. And that opportunity is that he wants more than us knowing about him. He wants us to actually know him. There's a difference from looking at someone's resume. If you've ever hired someone, you can go through the resume process. You can check their references, call them up. You can go through all of that, but there's still something about knowing someone that you only gain through experience, through time together. And God is so good that for us today, he's calling us, he's inviting us to a deeper experience of knowing Him. And just to tell you what you can expect over the next few minutes, um, we're going to look at a text where Jesus, in his skillful, masterful way, um, invites his disciples into a discussion. And then we're going to look at some examples of people who actually knew God and what their lives, what qualities, their lives reflected. And then I'm going to ask us to just reflect on that for us today because God is not just interested with you receiving a word today that you just listen to and that's it. He's going to invite us to respond. And later on I'm going to ask pastors and uh, deacons and elders and deaconesses to come forward because I believe there's a time of ministry God may want to invite you into and you'll have that opportunity then. Let me read the text and then I'll pray for us. If you have your Bibles, please open the living word of God to Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. I will be reading from the New International Version. The scripture says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? Who is the Son of Man? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word that's living and active. We thank you, Lord, that your word is useful for teaching, rebuking, equipping, and training in righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, use these words now. Lord, minister to us. Minister to your people, those here in the present, those online. I pray that, God, you would do a work only you can do, that, Lord, everyone would sense your presence, and your invitation to us. Open eyes to see great and wonderful things in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of this message is, Who Do You Say I Am? It's such an important question. When I was 14, I ran away from home. I ran away because there was a lot going on in my life, a lot with my family, a lot with my own insecurity, a lot with the friends that I was rolling with, and I was in a lot of trouble. And um, I ran away, and it was in that, that, that period of time that Beverly kind of read a little bit of Jesus's resume to me, so to speak. And in getting to know her, she shared stories of, of what God had done in her life, and one day asked me, you know that Jesus loves you? And that was the beginning of me beginning to hear about God. And I know that there are some of us here today that we've heard about God for a long time. It's been years maybe. We grew up in Christian homes. We um, grew up hearing about the faith. But there's a difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God. And I knew about God. And for the last 30-something years, I've been experiencing the actual knowing of God. And that comes through ups and downs. And I would imagine that today, not only are there people here who maybe grew up and know about God but don't know him, but there are people who, they know God. And life is so complicated that even in knowing God, you go through seasons, you go through stages, and we see that we see that here, even in Scripture, even in this passage. See, Jesus was with his disciples, and even in Jesus' strategy for discipling them, there were stages, there were milestones of how he developed them. He didn't reveal everything to them all at once. It was a, a process, and Jesus knew in what stage they were ready to receive a new revelation of who he is, and in the next stage to receive the next revelation. In this, in this part of the journey, Jesus is inviting them into a deeper understanding of him. See, when Jesus first called the disciples, he didn't he didn't lay out the whole blueprint, he didn't lay out the whole plan. He didn't tell them, Yo, it's gonna be hard for you. It was it was it was a process. It was an art of introducing them to who he was. And, you know, he flexed a little bit, you know, at the party, you know, at the wedding. He, he showed them his, his, he was flexing his divine nature. I, I could turn water into wine, peep this, come follow me. And he gave them glimpses and he, he, he showed them over time who he was. But here in this moment, they're in a stage of understanding who he is where he's going deeper. And he's asked, he asked them, who are people saying I am? And they, they reply and they say, some say you're Elijah, some say you're this person, you're a prophet, you're John the Baptist, but who do you say I am? See, the world will tell us what they think or who they think God is. And we have to be so careful that we don't believe what the world says about who God is. We have to truly know the truth and here, Jesus He's, he's digging in deeper into their hearts. And, and, and get this, Jesus was not insecure. Jesus wasn't asking them this question because he was insecure and he just wanted some affirmation. He wasn't fishing for, you know, some praise or um, some, you know, reassurance of what they thought about him. He wasn't seeking their approval. What Jesus was, was looking into, see, Jesus knows Knew their thoughts. He knew what was in their heart. And he wanted to get into their faith. And today, this afternoon, Jesus wants to look into our faith. He wants, to, he wants to invite us in into a deeper relationship. Who do you say I am? And we can't miss this. We cannot miss this. There may be some listening right now who think, okay, God was, Jesus is one of many. No. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. There is only one way. There is, he, was, he was God in the flesh. Think about that for a minute. He wasn't just a great religious leader. No, this was John 1 where it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word moved in to the neighborhood. This was God in human flesh with people. And it was important that they would know and understand that at a much deeper level because later on in the chapter, we see Jesus reveals to them. For the first time, he says, look, I'm going to suffer many things and I'm going I'm to die. That's not something you tell people who are banking everything Of their future on you. You don't tell them, I'm, you know, you're following me, but I'm going to die. There was, he brought them to a place of depth of their faith where they were ready to receive that. And the scripture tells us, the scripture shows us they actually weren't quite there yet because as soon as he says that, Peter's like, yo, that is not going to happen. We're going to shut that down. And he has to rebuke Peter and say, Satan, get behind me. You know not the things of God. But eventually, eventually, they got it. So here's what I want to ask us to consider today. We're all dealing with different things, we're all at different stages of our faith journey. We've been through some highs and we've been through some lows. Perhaps you're here today and marriage is just hard. Marriage is really hard, and you're at an impasse. And it seems like it's not going to work. And Jesus is asking, who do you say I am in this situation? Some of us have children that are strugg- struggling to figure out life. Maybe you, they, they were raised in the faith, but they're, they're just not following that. They've not chosen that path yet, and they have issues. And as parents, and I know this from experience, we take on our children's Success as a reflection of us, and it's hard and it can be so discouraging. And we don't know the way out, we don't know how to help them, how to fix it. And Jesus is asking us today, in light of this, Who do you say I am? Some of us may have someone at work, a former colleague, someone you trusted, who's spreading slander, and it feels it feels so hard and it's, it's difficult because you feel defenseless. You feel under attack and it's scary. And Jesus is asking us today, who do you say I am in light of that? Some of us in our business or organizations may be experiencing a significant shortfall because of the economy and we, we have to let people go. We have to trim that budget and it's hard And it's difficult and the future is uncertain and Jesus is asking us, who do you say I am in light of that? You may have lost a child to some freak accident and life is just so hard right now. Jesus is saying, who do you say I am? You may have an illness that you have prayed for days and weeks and months and even years that God would heal you. And Jesus is saying, but who do you say I am? Now, I want to switch gears and I want to point to to people who we can learn from who actually knew God. And I want to give us four examples. There are so many throughout Scripture. And we don't only have to look at scriptures, we can look at the testimonies of those here around us, our family, our relatives, our friends, and we can see God at work, but I want to point us to just four examples, qualities that we can see in the lives of those that know God, because I want us to do some introspection today and ask ourselves, where do we see ourselves in this? Where can we grow? Where we can be encouraged The first one I would like to point to of those who know God is in the person of Rahab. Rahab was a woman who had great thoughts of God, and those who know God have great thoughts of God. If you turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 2, we'll get a glimpse at a woman who wasn't Jewish, but She had some experience with God. She had thoughts of God that reflect the beginning of her knowing God and experiencing God. In Joshua 2, verse 8 to 11, in this story, God's people were promised the promised land and um, God's people sent some spies into the land and word got out that there were spies up in Jericho. So the king was like, yo, there's some spies up in here. We're going to find them. And they heard that they were potentially with this woman Rahab. And this is how she handled the situation. Verse 8, before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and, and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. And here's what she says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth. Below. Here was a woman, Rahab, that is described as a woman who wasn't Jewish. She had some extracurricular activities going on as her means of income. And yet she knew, yo, God, this God is the God of heaven and the God of God of earth. He is the God who is running things. He is the all-powerful God. And in response to that, I want to rock with you. So she made an agreement with the spies and we know the story, but do you really know the story? Do you really know that this woman knew God in such a way that she's connected to Boaz? Do you know that Rahab knows God in such a way that she is listed in the lineage of Jesus Christ? Do you know that God, when you when you know him, he'll take your story no matter where you started. And he will do something in your life that is extraordinary. And there may be someone here who has made mistakes, who has... But you have thoughts of God. You know that he loves you. You know that he's powerful, that he can work in your situation. And if if you give him your life, he'll transform it. Those who know God have great thoughts of God. Those who know God have great energy for God. Turn to Joshua 14. And I would encourage you this week to spend some time in these stories and renew your mind with them. Caleb was... Uh, a man who was a part of the original 12 who went to spy out the land. But if you know the story, yo, some people have heart and some people don't. If you grow up, you know, I grew up in in New York City and like that was a, a phrase, yo, he has mad heart, meaning he has courage. Some people are scared and they don't have heart. Caleb was someone who had heart. Him and Joshua were part of the 12. They went out and spied on the land and came back and said, yo, We got this. Like, if God is for us, it doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter how thick the walls are. We got this. But the other 10 were like, chill, bro. This is my vernacular. Chill, bro. We ain't got nothing. They're going to slay us. And it says in this passage that these 10 scaredy cats convinced the whole Israel not to pursue the promise and we read that Israel ended up spending how many years? 40 years, yo, in the wilderness. Joshua 14, 7 to 12 reads, it was for, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I brought him back a report according to my conviction But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord with all my heart. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. He goes on, now then, just as the Lord promised He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old, and I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this land. See, those who know God... This is important, people. Those who know God have energy for God. And that energy doesn't last 40 minutes. It can last 40, 45 years. Like bro is in the wilderness trusting God. Sometimes things don't, they don't align the way we want them to in the timing we want them to. Are we a people who have energy for God for 40 minutes? Or are we going to endure? Are we going to keep going? Are we going to have that same vigor, that wholehearted devotion for the long haul? If God doesn't meet our expectation, are we going to become disappointed with God and say he's not real? Those who know God have great energy for God. Those who know God have great boldness for God. Turn to David, the uh, 1 Samuel, the story of David. And, I, yo, every time I'm here, I'm talking about David. I just can't get enough of the the impact David has had on my life. But turn to 1 Samuel 17. I just want to point out, again, another, another person who knew God. And it, it wasn't just, it was just so evident because of the way that he responded to challenges. Beginning, actually, at verse 32, David shows up to a gathering of soldiers. They're being taunted by this incredible warrior, Goliath. He overhears the taunts of Goliath. He learns that no one has been brave enough to step up to Goliath. And verse 32, we see a person who knows God, who has boldness for God. David says to Saul, he says, let no one lose a." heart on account of this Philistine, your servant will go out and fight him. Let no one, this, David was a young man. He wasn't a 36-year veteran Navy SEAL fighter. He was a young man who knew God though. He knew God because as a young man, as his father had him care for the sheep, He experienced God when the bear came to try to attack the sheep. He experienced God when the lion came and he experienced God's protection and provision. He had an experience with God that led to a boldness in God that when he saw Goliath defying the living God, he was willing to step up and say, Yo, I got this. I'll fight him. Do we have that boldness? What is the Goliath in your life today? What is harassing you and me? What seems unsurmountable? What seems just like it's never going to stop? It's never going to end. God can do greater things. He can overcome a Goliath. Do we know him in that way? Are we willing to face The Goliath, knowing who God is, with the energy that God gives, with the boldness that comes from walking closely with God. The last quality I want to point to for us to consider this afternoon is that those who have a a relationship with God, those who know God, have great contentment in God. I'm hitting you up with the Sunday school classics this morning, or this afternoon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Turn to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Three young Hebrew men are under King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, They have been brought into captivity. This king is not a God-fearing king. He sets up a statue of gold and says, I want everyone to bow down to this statue that represents me. But these young men didn't just know about God. They knew God in such a way that they weren't willing to bow down to this statue, even in the face that they would be killed. Now, here's the question for us. Well, let me read the, let me read the passage. Chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand. Somebody need rescuing today? You have a situation, you feel like, yo, I need rescue. I don't need help, I need rescue. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. Now peep this next line. But even if he doesn't, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. These were young men who were content with God. In other words, even if we suffer and lose everything, we still are going to follow you. We're still going to believe in you. We're still going to hold to you because we believe you're greater than all of this. And th- those who don't know God, when things get tough, when the, the, the going gets tough and God doesn't show up, we're tempted to just walk away from God. And perhaps someone's watching this. Perhaps you've you've had the unfortunate experience of experiencing some catastrophic loss in your life. Someone you loved deeply that was good and, and, and impacted your life and you lost them and you asked God, why? And you didn't get an answer that was satisfactory. And because of that, you said, you know what? Forget this. God is inviting you back. Because in the pain, there is a knowing God at a deeper level. And there is a contentment that can come that though it doesn't, it doesn't answer all the questions, it, he's enough. He's enough to equip you to live in life through that pain, but to move forward with joy, to move forward with gratitude, to move forward with, with optimism, and to move forward with hope and healing. I know this because I've seen, I've seen brothers and sisters walk through hard things. Like my sister Diane Boyd. In 2013, I went to meet with her for an event. She wasn't there because she was ill. That illness turned from a day to a week to a month to a year to six years of, 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 of incredible migraine headaches. I mean, debilitating headaches, the kind of headaches that you can't, you can't look at sunlight. You can't really talk to people. You don't have energy. And I've, we've prayed, and many people have prayed for her. And oftentimes I ask God, Lord, what, what is going on? Like, why haven't you healed her yet? And my heart has, has broke for her. And I spoke with her recently, and she said, Ray, you know, I, I, I think I, I watched The Chosen any Chosen fans here? It's really inspirational. There's this one scene with little James. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you got to see it. It was a poignant moment of someone with, with a, a disability wanting healing. And, and I said, did you see that episode? And we started talking via text, and she said, you know, Ray, I had a public ministry once, but since this suffering, my private ministry with people has grown so significantly in ways that I could have never imagined. And God is using me to encourage so many people who are suffering. See, when you know God, even though things may not turn out, the way that you had hoped for them, you, you, you get to learn to be content with God and to trust him, that, that he's going to walk with you through that. He's going to do something that only he could do in that situation, that people are going to look at your life and be like, yo, how is that even possible? That's what happens when you know God. You have this, this energy for God, these thoughts of God, this boldness for God, this, this contentment for God. Jesus is asking us today in light of what we're dealing with, who do you say I am? Am I big enough? I want to walk with you through that. I want, you, I want to help you overcome that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and um, I want to create a, just a little bit of time for ministry today. I think there may be people here that would really benefit from prayer, from from person-on-person prayer, intercession I'm going to ask um, our friends to come forward, uh, pastors and and deacons and deaconesses and elders. We're going to pray for those who want prayer. And you don't have to come forward. You could stay in your seats. But we're going to just have a little time to linger, to linger in God's presence as the worship team plays. and, and, And we're going to pray because God wants us to go deeper. Um. Relationships are hard, they're complicated. But with God, He wants us to go deeper, He can do beautiful things. Our illnesses, all of those things are, are difficult, but most importantly, God wants us to know Him. It says in Jeremiah 9:23 to 24, it says this this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength. I would add, strong woman. Nor the wealthy woman or wealthy man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me. Oh. Some of us are just at the beginning of our journey of, of knowing God. I would say to you, if, if you've not really entered into that relationship, start it today. He's inviting you to know him. Some of you have gone to a place in your journey where you believe he's great you recognize you have needs that you you need help meeting and he's inviting you to draw near because he there's more than just meeting those needs some of us we get to a place where um, we want to start giving back. We, we recognize we have gifts and we're excited about using those gifts and we, we join different teams. God is still calling us to draw near to him. Some of us <clears throat> have spent many, many, many years giving. You've served on many teams, on boards, on <laughs> committees, and you're tired. Your soul is weary. You're like, yo, my soul needs rest. What's up with Matthew 11 where it says my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This does not feel light. This yoke does not feel easy. He's inviting you to draw near. Some have hit a wall. Some may be here right now or online and your whole view of Christianity has been rocked and you're questioning, can I even go on with this? He's inviting you to draw near. Some of us have done the deep work, that inner work, where we realize that we're more than our accomplishments, we're more than our morality, that we are God's beloved, unconditional, and we're beginning to live out of understanding that truth that we're deeply loved and we want to give back. Still, God has work for you. There's a whole generation of young people like myself who need those experienced men and women who have made it through that wall, have made it through being rocked, and you've you've known God in that. You've come out of it, and we need your spiritual direction. Others need that spiritual direction. There's work. But draw near to God today. There's ways of knowing him at every level at a much deeper way. So I'm going to open this up, this time up. Um, if you feel moved in any way, uh, we would love to pray. I'm going to ask pastors to come forward. We'll spend just several minutes lingering. If you're in a place where you're good and life is like this morning, blue skies, no traffic on the Cross Bronx or the Palisades, everything is is just flowing it's beautiful the birds are chirping bless you extend extend the hand of grace towards us that need god to meet us here in this place and those of you that just are in need of prayer come forward we'll pray and then i'll close us in a word of prayer of benediction